Good morning. My name is Jay Rosenthal and I'm the Managing Director of Business of Cannabis. Welcome to the Cannabis Daily Show for Tuesday, May 3rd, 2022. Since 2017, Business of Cannabis has highlighted the companies, brands, people, and trends driving the cannabis industry. We'd love to hear from you in the comments below and always feel free to visit us at businessofcannabis.com as well as through all of our social channels including Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you are watching this on YouTube, please do subscribe. After the rundown of the key stories we're following, we'll get to our BFC Live segment today where we'll be joined by Kelly Becker. She is the co-founder and executive director of the Cannabis Education Guild. The Cannabis Education Guild is a platform focused on global cannabis education and social good. We will talk to her about all of that. <clears throat> of note, we, Business of Cannabis, are nominated for an O'Cannabis Award for the best news source. There's a link below and you can go find out how to vote for us and we hope that you do as well. In September, we will be back in New York for Business of Cannabis New York. That is September 22nd and 23rd. Information about that event is also in the link below. For today's top stories, cannabis stocks suffering as DC moves at a snail's pace, revised Canadian cannabis sales figures for 2021, financing activity is plummeting in cannabis, why Canadian cannabis prices are down despite inflation, and Canadian cannabis producers see a slight uptick in the corporate reputation survey. For our first story, shares of some of the largest MSOs such as Cureleaf, Green Thumb Industries, and Trueleaf have dropped more than 30% this past year, writes Bloomberg. The slow pace of federal legalization, which still feels really far off, is to blame, say analysts, quote, cannabis with its many federal and state regulatory restrictions still in place has been driven into recession by slow-moving policy changes. That, according to the BTIG analyst Camilla Lyon in a research note on April 26th. The Safe Banking Act or other federal legislative reform could change the game, but there are obstacles. Well, Republicans will likely win control of the Senate this year. Just four Republicans voted for the Moore Act in April. Biden's administration has expressed desire to reduce cannabis consumption in its first drug control strategy. But, but, Biden's recent commutations, which included several cannabis-related convictions, that's a very small glimmer of hope. Quote, decriminalization is so important to this industry that's from business, Bloomberg intelligence analyst Kenneth Shea, and, and, the, and the can keeps getting kicked down the line. For our second story, each week, Business of Cannabis delivers a series of insights from our partners at Cannabis Benchmarks. Today, they look at Statistics Canada's recently released retail sales data for February 2022, showing nationwide legal cannabis sales dropping from the previous month due to fewer total days of the month. Sales in February slid to 336.4 million Canadian, but increased on a daily basis. From January to February, daily sales grew from an average of 11.2 million per day to 12 million per day, or a 7.5% increase. After relatively flat daily sales over the past six months, average daily sales grew for the first per day for the first time. You can see the full briefing on our website at businessofcannabis.com. For our third story, cannabis capital raises have dropped 67% in 2022 compared to 2021, according to Viridian Capital Advisors' latest newsletter. Here are some of the statistics. In Canada, equity raises are down 94%, and in the U.S., they're down 73%. Debt financing has also dropped in Canada 86%, but it's up 72%. 
uh, adding up to an overall decrease of 33% in the U.S. The reason for equity declines? Well, the aforementioned low valuations at the top. The MSO ETF, for example, is down 40% year-to-date. Quote, no CFO wants to sell stock at such low prices, particularly if there is still any glimmer of hope that a positive legislative result could produce an upside catalyst. This, according to Frank Colombo. But why hasn't debt financing filled the gap in capital raises? Well, according to Viridian, MSOs, they don't need it. They've had healthy cash balances. Quote, if analyst consensus is correct, the companies on this chart can internally fund their needs for 2022 and 2023, particularly given their healthy current balance sheets. If you want to see the graph Viridian is talking about, head to our website at businessofcannabis.com. It is there. For our fourth story, inflation is sending prices up for everything except cannabis. According to the Globe and Mail uh, here in Canada, which blamed high inventories and a desperate race to win market share. Here are some of the numbers. Adult use prices are down 8.3% since last year. Medical prices are even down further to 10.2%. And since 2018, prices have dropped about 25%. Inflation hit 6.7% in March, which is the highest it's been since 1991. Quote, a lot of public companies are selling at, lo at a loss and they're able to do that because they just keep tapping into the markets to bring in cash and then keep selling this, according to the Senior VP of Finance at Aurora. For our final story, cannabis companies are some of the least reputable businesses, according to Canadians, per Quebec market research firm Ligere's survey of more than 300 companies, this in MJ Biz Daily. Here are some of the rankings uh, with some can cannabis connections. Shoppers, Drug Mart was ranked number one. Edmonton-based Aurora was down at 180, and Canopy Growth was ranked at 186. China's Huawei and Montreal's scandal-plagued SNC-Lavalin were at the bottom. But it's, no, but it's a small improvement to previous survey results and don't indicate that Canadians disapprove necessarily of cannabis. Instead, Ligere's executive VP Dave Schultz said that, it's, uh, that they are simply not very well known. Quote, the big factor is people just don't know them. That awareness piece is huge in the reputation world. You look at Aurora, which has the highest rating, only 42% of Canadians say they're even aware of them. Those are the stories we're watching today. Join 12,000 others and catch all these stories and more in your inbox every day at 7 a.m. Eastern with our Cannabis Daily Newsletter. Coming up on our BFC Live, a conversation with Kelly Becker. She is the co-founder and executive director at the Cannabis Education Guild. She joins us uh, for, on BFC Live from Mexico City, where she's working on efforts to legalize cannabis in that country. But she'll also be providing perspective on ESG and social impact and the cannabis sector, this is Kelly Becker. Kelly Becker, thanks for being here. Hola, thanks for having me. Hola, Kelly, I was just looking back of when you were last on Business of Cannabis uh, two things, uh, of three things of note. One, it was before COVID. That's the first thing. Different time, okay. Second, you were in Cambodia. Does that sound right? Yeah, correct. So I'm and we were talking about cannabis then too. Obviously, it was on business of cannabis. Anything happened between then and now? No, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> well, <laughs> nothing really. Now? Talk about that. 
So I'm currently in Ciudad de Mexico. That's what they call Mexico City. I honestly am shocked by how much I love this city. And uh, it's definitely where all the action's happening in every industry and certainly cannabis because they keep sort of saying legalization's any day now here. So there's a lot of exciting movement happening. I know I speak uh, for many in the Canadian cannabis family. When are you coming home, if ever? Great question. Um, you're not the only one asking me. I would say like in a good month or so, a few projects to wrap up here and uh, see them through. And then I'll be back maybe for cannabis. That would be nice. Okay. That's like June 1st, 2nd, 3rd or something. So yeah, like I we're really, we're like stuff done. honing in, get the flights ready. Let us know if you need a ride from the airport. We'll, uh, we'll get you all set up, Kelly. Um, uh, last time we talked, I think we also mentioned the Cannabis Education Guild. You um, are launching a new course, if I'm not mistaken, about ESG. T talk about what's going on with the Cannabis Education Guild and what we can look forward to. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's crazy to think, Jay, that that was in 2019 when um, Jen Larry and I started the Guild. And since then, we've been able to educate companies, partners across Canada. Um, a lot of the partners we work with are LPs or retailers, but mostly trade agencies because, you know, our, our courses are really focused on understanding the commercial landscape and a lot of people in the trade space are coming from other uh, CPG sectors, so they don't understand necessarily commercial cannabis. We've also had the opportunity to educate groups um, live and virtually across Asia and like Thailand, Korea, Malaysia, Philippines, as well as India, the UK, the US, and now Mexico. It's a lot of travel. It's a lot. It was the it definitely COVID slowed it down and made it more virtual. But yeah, our online learning platform has been very helpful for the industry, and uh, very excited to announce that myself and a few others have put together an ESG course to talk about sort of social impact, um, environmental issues, governance issues, and sort of why this matters now. And I think you know I had thoughts of this coming out before COVID, and I think now with supply chains being very exposed and there being so many issues with logistics and things needing to be sourced more locally uh this matters more than ever so we're excited for that to come out in a few months and uh if you follow campus education guilds you'll get all the updates well we'll put how to follow that as this gets posted kelly i want to ask you a question because we see i think almost two or many angles coming to this we have let's call them the broad rubric of esg we have companies doing more because they believe it is at their core around social responsibility, social impact. We have investors, uh, some investors pushing companies to say, give, let us know what you're doing around ESG. However, maybe the most impactful, and I want to get your thoughts on this, is regulators who are saying, you need to do this or you cannot operate. It's actually part of the regulatory framework in which you're operating. Talk a bit about sort of what you're seeing in all those jurisdictions and maybe even in Canada around sort of the push towards uh, you know, understanding and reporting your social impact as a company. Yeah, you nailed it. Those are the buckets. And I think that it starts with the regulations and the government and, and actually like the UN doing something about it because if companies are not incentivized, you know, they might have a very solid CSR team uh, which we're now seeing is like an outdated term, and that's sort of not going to be enough. So they need the incentive 
to really feel like they need to report and they need to invest in audits or whatever it may be to show more transparency and ethical operations. Um, another group I would also add, Jay, is the conscious consumer. There's this movement, which, you know, I always say like Nike didn't make a plastic shoe because they wanted to or fair trade was not a certificate until the 80s when people pushed for it. Like the conscious consumer movement is growing, especially since COVID. So I think that that group and, and the cannabis community and the cannabis culture is very mindful. And we hear from bud tenders across Canada that like they are getting asked these questions. And when there have been a few different scandals come up with um, whether it was product or packaging or labor relations in the Canadian industry, they're not even really sure how to answer. So that's something that we like to discuss with trade agencies about you know, messaging around this and why this matters. And I definitely think that it, it has to come as a multi-pronged approach. So from the consumer level, from the industry side, but definitely from um, a top-down point from the government and the regulatory bodies, yes. And are there, com I mean, are there companies doing interesting work, good work, and obviously there's more work to be done sort of across the board, but, but what are you seeing, especially as it relates to sort of supply chains, because you've been talking about this for a very long time about ethical supply chains and ending slavery and other, and other, um, other supply chains. Talk a little bit about that, because I think that can be eye-opening for an industry that is about to go sort of through worldwide trade. Yeah, I would say that some, um, especially on the hemp side, are doing a pretty good job. I think that we know hemp to be not a hippie crop, but a crop that's here to help people on the planet, whether it's our health or the clothes we wear or, you know, what, what it's going to do for the soil and, and all of our hopeful um, ideals for hemp. I think that there are some really great hemp companies that are actually being very transparent on their website. Um, with their investors, what they're doing, how, where they're sourcing from, because we're sourcing so much of it still from um, developing countries. So knowing that your factories are ethical, knowing that you're um, receiving product that's tested and clean, like they're doing a really good job in hemp. In cannabis, I would say it's still kind of new. We've seen some companies in Canada and the US put out like an ESG report and that's great. And that means they're investing in audits and going, you know, extra measures to sort of change their operations. But I would also say that doesn't necessarily equate to impact. And I think that will only last for so long. Like it will be trendy to do some sort of ESG report, but it won't actually be, you know, quantitative enough or qualitative enough that people are seeing an impact in what these companies are doing. And what I also am very uh, familiar with the fashion industry, I work in fashion as well, like fashion supply chains are backpedaling and they can only make promises for like 2030, 2035, that they'll reduce their carbon emissions by, you know, 5%. I hope that the cannabis industry, because it's in its infancy, can make maybe, maybe less grandiose of promises, but more realistic changes. I love it. Well, it's funny because I, I'm on Bloor Street in Toronto and we have a similar sound sometimes when our windows are open. Kelly, so uh, uh, can we actually shift because because of the siren, but you're also in Mexico City. Talk, and the Mex we've had a couple folks on talking about Mexico as a market, Mexico as an emerging market. Talk a little bit about sort of your experience down there and where you think it is. You talked about it at the top, like where it is on the timeline of this being a reality in Mexico. Uh, it's very obviously complicated here for reasons I don't need to say. Um, 
there are a lot of people who believe it's going to happen in less than a year and then say the other camp believes that it will be when the next president comes into power or when this one is like ending his term so it's sort of i would say in a, in a one to three year timeline is just my guess but i have to say it's kind of like being in canada seven years ago when everyone's getting really innovative and finding these gray areas to work around and how can we educate people now and start to destigmatize um something fabulous that one of the doctors here has done is launched a the first um endocannabinoid system and like full comprehensive cannabis course at the top med school in Mexico and it's available online in English so uh Ethan Rousseau and Vincent Maida and like a bunch of doctors contributed to this course so I think that was really it just launched this month so I think last month I think it's really great that Mexico is actually showing like no we care about medical as well and this is what we're doing to educate you know Latin American market and also um, international countries because it's available in English. There's some cannabis cafes where you can get like a CBD beverage or maybe like a Delta 8. Yeah, sure. so they're finding creative ways to work around it. Um, that sounds like any number of US states too, frankly. True, exactly. And um, I think that it's it's going to be unique to any other market because they've had such a serious legacy market here. And they also have indigenous uses and purposes. So it, it will be massive when it happens. I just hope that, you know, from conversations I've had with a lot of industry leaders here, that they do it differently than let's say avocado, coffee, tea, other crops here. Uh, it looks a little more promising because some people believe on the corporate side, like in order to garner trust that other countries will want to um, import Mexican products, it will have to be, they'll have to go above and beyond to show transparency. So that's sort of promising. And it's interesting, Jay, because having the conversation about like a slavery-free cannabis industry in Europe or Canada, the US, it's like very uncomfortable for most. We don't really want to think about those things where our raw materials come from and why they're so cheap. But here it's a very open dialogue because they all have family who are farmers. They know people in avocados and lemons and the problems that come up in these supply chains. So they're very much like, yeah, we need to make sure cannabis is different. So it's very refreshing. Muy fresco. I like it. Uh, I want to, well, Thank you for your time today. I was going to say we'll connect with you down the road, and we will, but it may not be in this format as as uh, folks who've been following along understand. Um, but Kelly, thank you. I want you to travel safe, get back, and we will see you hopefully in June when you arrive safely back in Toronto. Thank you for your time, your insight, and for the work you're doing. We look forward to seeing you down the road. Thanks, Jay. And I just want to mention that I will be hosting uh, Ganja Yoga classes online available at the CEG website to sign up as of next week. So stay tuned if you want to join us for some bliss and namaste. I want to. I will sign up right now. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I will we'll put a link to that as well as we post this. Kelly, thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Great talking to you, Jay. Bye. That was episode 74 of the Cannabis Daily Show. Thank you for joining us here on YouTube or wherever you caught the program. Please do subscribe and we will see you tomorrow.